Good morning. Mike couldn't make it today. I'm Greg Laurie, and I want to invite you to um, something. <laughs> you know what you've turned in to for me as a congregation? You're my spiritual Airbnb. <laughs> this is my home away from home, and I appreciate all of you. You have a great amount of love that just comes as an audience as you're sitting and, and receiving. And I know that love is for the Lord, but you know, it's very few pastors that open up their pulpit to somebody to come more than one time for whatever reasons, but you have an anomaly for a pastor. He loves you and he wants to bless you. So it's great to be with you this morning. Lord, we're so grateful to be up and about and that we could actually be here together. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit that can lead us, guide us, teach us, and that can make this all real to us, our faith and what we believe. So this morning, as we look at these uh, two short letters, we ask that your spirit would take them like the loaves and the fishes and break them and bless them and distribute them to all of our hearts. And we do pray you bring uh, Barry back very safely and any that are with him. Uh, it's a long, grueling trip there, let alone to work every day and then to come back that long 30-hour jaunt. So bless him with good health, we pray, and strength. And now we give you honor. We bow our knee to your throne. You are our Father, yes, sir, but you are also our Creator. And the thought that we made it out of the womb is a miracle in itself. But the thought that we could come to know you, little clay creatures made of dirt and clay, Lord, it's an amazing miracle you've done. We don't understand it all, but we trust you with it all. And uh, we pray this day you would honor these people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two small, first thought I called it short, but it's small letters with two big words. And I wanna see, before I tell you what the two big words are, if you can pick them out before I mention it. Is that fair? Oh, you don't care, okay, so that's good. All right. So here's the two short letters, or small letters, 2nd John and 3rd John. Now some of you may never have read these letters because they look like postscripts or a postcard more than a letter, but there's a lot hidden in them. So if you turn to 2nd John, it's right after, believe it or not, 1st John and just before 3rd John. It's the same author of the Gospel of John but he's got these little short things he wants to say to a couple of special people. And uh, it's just before the book of Revelation. It'll come to Jude and then Revelation. Second and third John. Oh, would you stand with me? I'd like to read both these letters back to back. They're very short. I'll read the first and the odd numbered and you all in unison read the even numbered verses. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. You don't need to be nervous. You can just belt it out together. You're the even numbers. You've done it right so far. So you're okay. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And now, I plead with you. Interesting thing to say to somebody. I plead, I beg you. I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which you have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Okay, that's more 
That's more gusto, that's good. Your, your coffee's kicking in, I can tell. <laughs> this is the commandment. Now I just told him to walk in the commandment. This is the commandment that as you heard from the very beginning, you should walk in it. Just checking. Okay, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who did not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Ah, receive a full reward. Hmm. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Aha. Uh -huh. For he who greets him for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Okay, we just read somebody's mail. Now we're going to read somebody else's. I'll do the first in the odd, and you'll do the even verses. The elder, to the beloved Gaius, or Gaius, whom I love in truth. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Ah, that was a good one. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. Greet the friends around you as you sit down by name, okay? Do a biblical duty. So before we finish, uh, don't say what you think the words are, but did anybody by a show of hands pick up on the two tall words? Come on now, David, you've got 14 doctorates. Okay, this will work then since you don't know. Um, there is some questions about who wrote this uh, short letter, second and third epistle? But when you look at um, 
the background of it, there are a lot of phrases that the scholars saw that would have been John from the Gospel and his presentation and his presentation from 1 John. Uh, who the people are, are a little bit of a mystery. And some think the elect lady is the church. Uh, others think it's a friend. Others think that it's a family, her children. Uh, so there's has been a fog for quite some time about this. Nevertheless, the truth is in there, and we can find a lot about God working in our lives through both of these letters. Now, I had a grandfather, never knew him. My mom was four when he died. He was 26 years old. But uh, he immigrated with his father, my great-grandfather, and I think uh, the older guy might have still been alive when they came to America. They came from Ireland. And on my mother's, uh, that was on my mother's side, he was a preacher. And I remember Grandma Lane, his name was David Lane, as a boy vaguely, but I remember at 18 and my brother Kent at 19, we were two of the pallbearers at her funeral and she was 105 or some huge Irish number. Uh, had good potato stock in her or something, I don't know what it was. Could have been the little whiskey from Scotland or something. But um, I, I didn't know her. But when my grandmother died, her memorial service was the first I ever did uh, for anybody as a minister, and it was spooky. But some ladies came up to me from her intercessory prayer group and said, there are books that your grandmother had, and if you would like them, you could take them. We believe they're from your grandfather. Really? So I have those books. They're from Funk and Wagnall. Um, my grandfather's born in uh, 1891, died in 1927. And I've got newspaper articles uh, about how full the church was in this small Illinois town and uh, how respected he was. And they uh, loved him from the article that, that I read of his funeral service. And so this Funk and Wagner is a very famous old publishing company there in uh, London, Toronto, and New York. And he had a series of uh, books, a commentary series called uh, Preacher's Complete Homiletical Commentary. And they're very deep and thorough. So I don't always use them, but I began realizing my pastor, Chuck Smith, taught exactly the same way that these 1800 pastors were teaching the gospel of Jesus. No prosperity doctrine, no, you know, the uh, word of faith, and, but just Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I purposely used 1 John, and, or excuse me, 2 John and 3 John. Here's the same thing. Chuck didn't have this series. My point is, is that the truth is the truth. And godly men find the truth and ungodly men twist the truth. And Chuck never twisted the truth at all ever, that I know of. Uh, the truth was God's word. And these two little letters will surprise you. There's 13 verses in the first letter, 14 in the second. There's only a total of 27 verses. But remember, he said, I didn't want to write paper and ink or pen and ink. I want to see you face to face. That's very intimate. You want to be face to face. There's a situation with a friend who somebody very close to this friend, uh, I've got some information that's just not going to be good, but for the respect of my friend, I'm going to talk to him first. And it's something I may have to get on an airplane to fly to another country because I'd rather tell him this news face to face. So that speaks to me about God wants face to face with us now and then. And John saw that. I, I, I could write it down, give it to a courier, you could get this, but I want to be face to face with you. Why? Because he loves him. And sometimes some news brings a lot of anguish that can last for years in a person's life. 
and how it's presented to them is so very important that it's really presented as an ambassador of Jesus Christ using tact, using wisdom, using love, using gentleness and kindness, and not passing judgment if it's bad news. And if it's really bad news, to put your arm around them, because you're face to face now, and they understand that they're going to go through a very, very deep valley that could last years. But I watched my pastor so many times put his arms around people like these people, and no matter what anybody said about the person that he had his arm around, he could have cared less because Jesus had his arm around the other shoulder. And that's what our pastor saw. You love through all things. And you stand with people when they're hurting. Uh, Christianity has a history of shooting their wounded or kicking them when they're down. And so Paul's got something to a, a woman and to a man. Who they totally are, we don't know. But we can sure learn how God looks at unknown people, little people, not famous big names. It's not Peter, it's not James, it's not Andrew, it's not Bartholomew. They're somewhat anonymous. <laughs> Don't you feel like that sometimes, that in the big picture you're somewhat anonymous when you're in the mall or when you're at the concert or you're in a movie and you're, just, you're nobody? But God doesn't see you that way. He's very happy to give you a title so you're not anonymous. You're his elect treasure. You've been chosen. You responded. Not everybody responds. Jesus said many are called, but few actually respond. So you're a minority group. You are not alone. You're not hopeless. You're not lost. No matter what your head's telling you or the medication the doctor has you on is telling you, God's madly in love with you. And he will take the slightest things and make them whole. We always love to hear the signs and the wonders, but I love it when I see a paranoid schizophrenic gain their mind back from the Lord. You see a broken daddy who's like uh, one daddy last week whose daughter drowned in a pond. And uh, they'll never be the same. But God will always be the same with his love and his comfort. Because we're assured that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So these letters may look anonymous, but they're not to God. There's nothing about you that's anonymous to God. Everything's special about you. Every little iota in detail. If you have money in your pocket or you don't have any money, there's no respecter of persons with God. You have the title of son or daughter. And one thing that Sandy and I tried with all of our children was a good name is rather to be had than riches and jewels. Don't ever cut corners. Don't take shortcuts. You walk the narrow path because your yea has to be yea and your nay has to be nay. And God takes us as broken as we are and as superficial many times as we are. And he can send you a little postcard and kiss you on the cheek. And you go, oh, Lord, thank you. You're not alone. I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, Jesus said. Never. Never. Not for a potty break or an in-and-out break or any kind of break. He'll never leave you. You may leave him. He'll never leave you. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all the people who have known the truth. You have a large group of people that love you, lady. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. And one thing that has always been a little bit difficulty, uh, 
in serving the Lord is when a pastor dies, there's a friend that I was helping him quite a bit. He was a wonderful guy. And uh, he died last year. And he and his wife have seven children. And they did not have money. Uh, I was shocked when I heard that one that wanted to replace him said, well, first thing we'll do is take his wife off of getting any money. Well, uh, that's exactly what James said, didn't he? Pure religion and undefiled is not visiting the fatherless and the widows. What a horrible thing for a pastor to think. The seven children and the grief that's in her heart. This was a good pastor. This was a good man, good teacher. Just had a great sense of who he was in the Lord and that he had nothing, that he was only a servant opening doors and helping people. And somebody would say, I think I'm the next pastor. And that would come out of their mouth. After I'd get the bigger guys in the room to throw him out of there, I'd say, he's not the next pastor. I'm sorry, that guy's not. But to another uh, friend, five daughters, beautiful girls, godly girls. At his memorial, I was in awe that each one of them got up as adult girls and told of their relationship with Jesus, and then told of their relationship that they had with their father, and then told about their relationship with the rest of the family. All five girls had a personal relationship with Jesus. All five had the corporate family relationship with Daddy, my friend, very good friend, one of the first guys we sent out of San Diego to start a church. And uh, each girl had their own personal walk, not only with Jesus, but with their dad. Each girl was known by Mike for who they were, not for what they were a part of. Each one was special. Each one would tell something, I'd go, I didn't even know he knew who C.S. Lewis was. But he would read C.S. Lewis to him at night. He'd read scriptures with them and ask them questions. He'd lay hands on them, pray for them. So that part, if he's writing to a widow and her children, whoa, what's he telling this widow? Because pure religion undefiled is visiting the widows and the fatherless. When I found a daughter I had from high school, uh, Sandy adopted her immediately. She's an adult. She was 37, I think, when we first met. She had two little girls. She now has four uh, grown girls, and they're drop-dead, as they say, gorgeous. And um, Whitney is the same person she was when she was a little girl. Very smart. They're all really smart. And uh, But Whitney is... Not an oddball or one out. She speaks her mind. And uh, she is very intelligent. She just loves people. Uh, the first night I meet her, she's uh, three years old. Her sister is five years old. And so they were getting ready for bed after we had spent a few hours together. And I said uh, to Joy, would you mind if I went in and knelt down by the girl's bed and prayed for them? No, I, I've done it every night for every one of our children. Uh, all their years growing up. And if I'm not uh, in town, Sandy does it, but always pray for them. Pray for the, since they're little girls, that their husbands would be from heaven. And for the boys, their wives would be from heaven. And the grandchildren would be easy. And uh, God honored us and honored them. So I go in, Whitney and Tara share in the same bed, and they have a praise tape going. And I helped start Maranatha Music and actually launched the Praise Albums. Um, and she's there listening. I said, how sweet this is. They know the Lord. It's so great. So I kneel down, and uh, she's got her beautiful blonde hair, deep Portuguese brown skin, just uh, a live wire, golden eyes almost. Her eyes just pierce through you. So I lay my hand on her forehead. And she said, what do you think you're doing? Well, that's, and that's how she came across at five. At, uh, yeah, she was probably four, four or five. And she said, what do you think you're doing? I said, well, this is what I do with my children, is I bless them before they go to sleep. And so your mother said it was okay if I come in and 
bless you and your sister. Go to your own house and bless yourself. What? That's what she said. <laughs> so I blessed myself and I got a double blessing that night. So I only tell you this story and bring this together right now so we can go fast. We don't know who the woman is, but if you look closely, you'll find two really tall words in this really short letter or two really uh, big words in a short letter. You're going to see that you're not anonymous and God knows what he needs to say to help you, to encourage you, to bless you, to love you. So, dear lady, you're loved by so many people because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. This love is going to last forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will positively, will be with you. And the source will be from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now, Pastor Chuck always pointed out, teaching the New Testament, that we saw grace and peace. And he called these, you'll remember, the Siamese twins. Every letter, it was never peace, he would, because he would say, um, you cannot have peace until you've experienced God's grace. When you experience God's grace, then the peace of all understanding uh, comes to you. So he called them the Siamese twins. This is one of those rare times where there is not a set of twins. There's triplets. Did you notice that? Yes, there's grace, but something's in the middle. It's like an Oreo cookie. The good stuff's in the middle. Grace, mercy, and peace. Well, we all go through hardships and suffering and pain and errors and mistakes and uh, you know, we get disciplined and chastised. But we take it for granted that this is because of grace. But oh, how much us little small people, us anonymous people, us lost in the crowd people, us lonely people, us sad people, us feeling worth not even the price of the dynamite to blow ourselves up. We feel sometimes so low that the snails look like shooting stars in the sky to us. And he knows that, how you feel at times, that nobody would ever know unless you're a chronic complainer. And he says, mercy. What do we know about mercy? We know that his mercy, God's mercy, endures forever. And at lunch one day, maybe three or four years before Chuck went to heaven, uh, I called him and said, hey, could I drive up and take you to lunch? I'd love it. When would you like to do it? Let me look at my calendar. And I said, no, when would you like to do it? And I'll change anything of mine. So he told me a date, come to his office. We stand next to him. He's such a unique human being. Well, we could go over here to, nah, the lunch crowd will be there. Oh, go over here to the barbecue. Nah, that's really crowded too. We'd have to be there long. He thought, do you have any place? I said, no. He says, ah, let's go to Fountain Valley, to Applebee's. No, I love it. I mean, that's his mindset. Somebody else would say, let's go, you know, it's on the church. It's the credit card or whatever. Applebee's, great. What do you like at Applebee's? I love the French soup. You should have the French soup. I should have the French soup. It's the best. Uh, I ordered the salad. Uh, Mike, and he gets the soup. He loves the French soup. There's no doubt about it. And any comments, this is the best French soup you can get anywhere in Orange County, Mike. So remember that when you come here. Okay. So I had just been stabbed in the back by a, a group of people, and, and it was very painful, and I needed not to lash out. I needed to bite my tongue and, and, and love them, forgive them. But I needed him to help me spiritually see why do I have to do that? My Irish-Scottish uh, DNA is inside. I, I beat myself up before I get out of bed every morning. The Irish, and the, they're just going back and forth. Okay. Lord, take this day. <laughs> and then it goes away for a while. So we're talking about forgiveness. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Oh, that's right. Okay. You know, you got to show these people. I know who they are, and that's the type of people these people are. You gotta show him mercy. And he goes, 
he's staring me, leaning across, right eyeball to eyeball, and he said, Mike, I need a lot of mercy. You need a lot of mercy? Well, <laughs> we all need a lot of mercy. Grace, mercy, and peace. We give others grace, eventually we'll reap what we sow. We give mercy to other people that don't even deserve to be standing up, we're going to get mercy. And if we get peace from God, shouldn't we be sharing that with everybody? Because peace is almost towards that scripture that said, and peace was taken away from the earth. We're almost there. There are not a lot of people that are at peace with themselves or their, their politic or their choices. So this person is being told something very wonderful. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God, Jesus, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly when I found some of your children walking in truth. Now, not all of our kids are going to walk in the Lord, but they will because God honors your prayers. When uh, the man from Briscoe died, all the George Mueller, all the um, orphanages and orphans that that man supplied on his day of the funeral, four of his college buddies were there. And G George had led three of the four to the Lord over the years. And the three that were old men in their 80s, I assume, stood up and they said, did you know that your friend George Mueller, our friend, has prayed for your soul for 65 years. Every time he talked to you, you turned him down. That man wept and on the spot gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not be here to see all of your prayers answered, but if you're a mommy or a daddy and you're 127 years old, we want to give you something today, Geritol or something, but no matter how old you are, you don't think God's going to answer your prayers? He's going to answer the prayers. But you may not see that answer. Some of your children are walking in truth. Not all of them, but some of them. As we receive commandment from the Father, now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment, nothing new, but that which we have had from the beginning. I'm going to just tell you your early, basic walk. That we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments, not ours or the world's. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Now he's going to shift gears and say, you've been impacted by deceivers. And this might be part of the problem that he's going to address. For many, not just a few, deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ, all coming in the flesh, as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver, an antichrist. So look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we've worked for, but that we may receive a full reward, not a partial. Go back and take spiritual inventory inside of your heart today. Go back to the very beginning. When you get to a place you don't know, Pastor Chuck always said, lean back on what you do know, not what you don't know, and see where the Lord will take you from that place with uh, Balaam, the false prophet, when the angel came and the donkey ran him off the road a couple of times, you'll remember that when he finally talked to the donkey and the donkey talked sense into the human, he saw the angel, fell on his face, and he says, oh, have mercy, have mercy. I'll go back and start over. And I like this, that the angel said, you don't have to go back and start all over. Just get up where you are right now and go forward in the right manner. So don't hide in the bushes of the what ifs. What would have been if I had, the ifs and maybes, that's just not a place you wanna hang out. You wanna hang out with the truth. And ladies and gentlemen, those are the two words before we leave here in the next few minutes. The word truth and the word love. You know, there's 27 verses 
And I counted different every time, so I'm gonna make you count on your own, if you don't mind, how many times you find them here. Truth is found 109 times in the New Testament. Love is found a little over 157 times in the New Testament. But when you look at the number of times, approximately, if I got it right, 21 times in 27 verses, he spoke of truth and love. And the two tall words that are missing in our society today are truth and love. It's a vicious time for mankind, full of lies and bitterness and hatred and everything but love. A minority is controlling the majority, and that's not right. So that's not truth, and in no way is it love. So that's what both of these letters, as short as they are, really have to say to us. Are we living in truth? Are we living and interacting in love? Is our truth actually given with the power of love? And that's the issue. And in John 14, the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth, 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 love. In 1 John chapter 2, I'll read it very briefly. In the 14th verse, 24th verse, it says, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Back to the beginning. I remember, read my Bible every day, pray all day long, help those that are helpless, love everyone and forgive them their trespasses against you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he promised us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try, who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you now, is he saying we don't need Bible teachers? No, he's not saying that at all. And I've always felt that you give me a pair of jeans and uh, a Bible and that's it, no money. You could drop me off on an island. I'll end up somehow leading a squirrel or somebody to the Lord. Um, I'll swim somewhere and Wilson will be with me and we'll, we'll go over and get to a mainland and I, I'll end up somewhere because that's my life is in Christ. I just, I, I can't even grasp the thought that I could lead somebody to God and they would escape the fires of eternal hell and to let my time be wasted for myself or chasing money or fame or fortune and missing the joy of somebody understanding what I've been saved from that they can be saved from. So you have no need that anyone teach you, meaning that the Holy Spirit and his word abide in you, and you do not need anyone teaches you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. As a very young Christian, I was reading the Bible, an average, I'd say, of five to six hours a day for the first six months and memorizing it. I was just so thrilled that it was speaking to me, it became so real to me, and that um, I could go down to Newport Pier or Huntington Pier and lead dozens of people to the Lord. Just, I didn't have to have a license, I didn't have to have an education, I just had the zeal of the Lord according to knowledge. And so when Calvary Chapel first started, there were communes, uh, and I lived in one of the very first ones, and um, the women were upstairs, and if a man was ever seen on the stairs or upstairs, ever, he's out. Woman anywhere near the men's area, she's out. Very disciplined. We did all the labor we could for free for the church at Costa Mesa. We uh, went out and we all had part-time jobs and gave all of our money to the same cost. And literally, 
This house with four bedrooms had 40 people living in it. And uh, the garage started getting bunk beds. On the weekends, those 40 people from Friday night till Sunday night, this went on for, I was there maybe eight months before Chuck asked me to go help start a church in Glendale. And I was just a baby Christian. We would have at least 200 people in sleeping bags, sleeping in the backyard, on the porch, even on the roof over the porch, in the garage, in cars. We'd go down and we'd get all these surfers and these hippies and, and uh, we'd bring them back and feed them and give them Bible study and lay hands on them and pray for them. And uh, I thought this was just great. It was wonderful. I loved it. And so um, I was called a, maybe a deacon or something. I had no idea I'd ever amount to anything or be used by God, but he was teaching me from day one. And there was this man, I'd seen him at Sunday services. Uh, for five years, I was there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, and the Saturday night men's prayer meeting. And I just, I couldn't get enough of what God was dishing out. So this man, I was a little skeptical, the quote unquote elder of the house was not there that night, and there was about 10 out of the 40 there, and we were sitting having a Bible study, and this man walks in. He, he was older, and uh, older in those days would have been 40, and um, he uh, had a big Bible, and he took over the little Bible study that I was sharing, and I thought, oh, wow, this guy knows so much, but I kept hearing ding, 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 <laughs> red flag, red flag, red flag. What's the matter? I don't know what the matter was. Now, I'm only a few weeks old in the Lord. So I went to the back of the house next to my bed, and I, I had been deceived in mysticism and Eastern Hinduism and uh, Zen Buddhism and so many weird things. One of my prayers was, Lord, I don't want to belong to an organization. I do not want to follow a man. I need no guru but you. Uh, lead me to a man that will just teach me the Bible. And little did I know he was going to use me as a leader. But I had five Bibles with different translations just to make sure I wasn't being deceived. And one of them I loved the most was the Good News from Modern Man. That was in plain English and had stick figure apostles and Jesus and I could dig the cartoons. I understood that much what they were doing, breaking the bread. So I had them all laid out and I said, Lord, you need to speak to me here because there's something the matter with this man. It sounds wrong. And I opened up my Bible and I looked right down there at that verse. You have no need that anybody teaches you for that which abides in you. You already have the truth in you. And this man isn't delivering truth, let alone in love. And I looked at all five verses and I said, okay, okay. My style with all the pent up anger and meanness and bitterness was meanness. And I would have just walked up and helped him back up off the ground, but I would have helped him out the door. And this time I just walked up and I stood right in front of him from all the kids. I was the oldest at 26, I think. Um, I want you to leave this house right now. You're speaking bad about our pastor, first of all, that you know more than he does. And I don't ever remember in the last two months of Bible studies ever hearing what you're saying here. I want you to leave. I'm not leaving. I'm your elder. I said, you're not my anything, pal. You're leaving. And he ultimately left. And then I saw the pastor and I said, this guy says, I know who he is. He's a troublemaker. You did the right thing. I don't even know why I did it, except my nature was to do it, to get in front of a bully, to block the people that were being bullied, and then to go at it. But this time I came out with a sword. So no matter where you are, if you look back in your Christian experience of how much God has helped you and loved you, you don't need the pastor to be there for you to handle this situation. Somebody asked at the International Calvary Pastors Conference this week, 1,118 pastors from uh, 28 nations were there at Raul Reese's sanctuary. That's a lot of people. And uh, they said question and answers to the council that Chuck had picked. Um, what is your plan for the next five years to reach young people. And I said, could I have the microphone? I said, we are not having any five-year plan. I don't even know what's gonna happen in five minutes. 
And uh, that's your responsibility to reach, quote unquote, the young people. We're all busy with full-time service, just like you, and you're sitting there asking us, what are we gonna do? And you're gonna sit back and watch us do it? We're doing what God's called us to do. We are not a denomination. We are not an organization. We are an association of friends that have the same pastor. And you, you need to rethink who you are right now with that question. You want to be led by us? Oh, I would say that's pretty foolish. I know all these guys very well. You don't want to be led by us. But you know, lazy people want to be led by the pastor. No, the Holy Spirit leads us. The Word of God leads us. Repentance leads us. Asking forgiveness to God, pouring our hearts out. That's what leads us to be truthful with ourselves, some plan. I don't even know that we'd be here in five years, let alone five months. Things are heating up. So he writes to these people, truth and love. That's right, truth and love. And when you think of it in the first letter, it said love four times, and it said five times truth. And then from there you get the next letter puts them together 21 times total, the two letters. Your walk is about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You're not perfect. He's not expecting you to be perfect. You didn't surprise him when you said that remark you just said. You didn't surprise him that you haven't tithed for a year and a half. You haven't surprised him. He's not letting his kingdom depend on you or me. He's not surprised that you are carnal. He's not surprised that you have done some things that you shouldn't be doing. You think he's, oh my goodness, I'd never expect that from her or from him. Oh my goodness, Jesus, what should we do? I'm sorry, he's a lot bigger than that. We need to see our rightful place before his throne. He's sitting in a throne that angels carry your prayers up in golden vials. I don't know if any of you even own an ounce of gold, let alone God has billions of prayers coming up in golden vials. Angels with people worshiping around him in all the color and the light in the throne room hitting a crystal clear sea of glass. There's nothing about you or me. It's all about him. And we get to be a part of it. And he loves us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He will always provide for us. Now, he's not going to provide for us if you're wicked with your money. And even wicked people get their money, but the Proverbs says eventually that's going to go to the poor. And God honors those who support the poor. No. This is a time the bride should prepare herself and make herself ready for the Lord is going to descend from heaven with the shout of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up in the air always to be together with them. Grace, mercy, peace. There are a lot of phonies. There's a lot of bad people. The spirit of Antichrist is already here against Christ. They were killing them at the rates of hundreds to a village at a time in Syria and Iraq. If you're a Christian in this Christian village, all the women were raped, the Christian women in front of their uncles and all the men, the, the nephews, the grandchildren, the sons. And then after that was over, all the Christian men were beheaded in front of their nieces granddaughters, wives, sisters, mothers. And we live like we've got to have more, more, more. Enough's enough. We need truth. And we need to live it. And we need to wrap everything in love. And sometimes love says things that don't sound lovely but their truth. And the world doesn't want to hear truth from religious, evangelical, right-wing, conservative Christians in America. They want to see face-to-face that you and I know God. And if we're haughty and we're proud and arrogant and we're bossy and we're big spiritual bullies, you're going to hell. 
And you're not? No. And the attitude, well, why would they want any part of it? No. Short letters, tall words, truth and love. No matter if there's deceit around you or there's success around you, truth and love. No matter if you're married or single, truth and love. And as a single person or even a married person, years and years ago I said, Sandy, I would never commit adultery against you because I'd never want to break your heart. And without missing a beat, she said, well, Michael, I would never commit adultery against you because I don't want to break the Lord's heart. (laughs) She's much more spiritual than I am. Don't tell her I said that, please. But is the truth of the matter about us or about the Lord? It's about the Lord. It's so much better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents with the wicked and compromise ourselves and lie, no truth, deceit. And why did he say, don't imitate evil? How quickly cable TV your smartphone, your iPads, help us imitate evil just by watching it. Billy Graham said one time that he and Ruth were sitting down watching TV and all of a sudden they looked at each other and said, what are we watching, Bill? And so he said to Ruth, oh, he got up and he turned it off and they both put their hands on their television set and said, Lord, don't ever let us compromise our heart because we're watching entertainment. Well, do you know, he would pray when he'd get up to answer the phone. When I heard that from a family member, he prays, yeah. He doesn't know who's calling or why, the Lord does. So he prays walking across the room. Hello, oh, hi, oh, the Lord gives him the wisdom. You need to be transparent when truth is really working in your life. And you need to overflow with love. The two very big words that this society needs right now, and you hold the key that unlocks it and lets it out. Elect lady, elect gentleman, it's known by many that you love the Lord. That's what he's saying here. Yes, there are deceivers. There's antichrists out there. Yes, Gaius, I pray that your health will prosper even as your soul does. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit, Gaius. We don't know who you are. We do know that Julius Caesar adopted a boy whose name was Gaius Octavius that later became somebody you and I know well, Augustus. We don't know that that's who he's writing to. It would be wonderful if Caesar Augustus was now with the Lord. We don't know that it's mentioned four other places, a man named Gaius, and it could be somebody else. But whoever these quote-unquote anonymous people are, we need to take to heart what God is saying to them so that we can apply it in our lives too and wrap it in love and give it in truth. We'll not cheat in business. I had a Christian person in that said, hey, if you send me the money this way, don't have to pay the fee on PayPal. Well, you're telling me I'm gonna send you some money and cheat PayPal. I mean, that's what, you're a Christian business person, aren't you? How do we cheat and lie because it's money we wanna save $18 on shipping or something? Uh-uh, get to the truth. Get there quickly. Unwrap it with love and watch how your life changes. Shall we stand and shall we pray? And if this morning you feel that maybe you want to get closer to God, the elders of this church will be in front and will pray with you. Lord, may we humbly fall on our faces in front of you. 
and ask you to help us in the smallest details of truly being a Christian. The shortest way to the cross may be the most difficult way. But help us to be men and women of truth and of love. Not of manipulating, not of shaving off the corners, not saving a buck so that we can, whatever, have another buck in our pocket, not watching stuff and allowing things from this world that are evil to come into our hearts that we might imitate it, that we worship idols, stars, musicians, athletes. We pray, dear God, you would forgive us of our sins. Please forgive us. And if your heart is to get right next to the Lord of heaven and earth and you've not been walking with him, just simply ask him in your words to forgive you. Do it right now while our heads are bowed and we're praying. Just, God, I am so sorry. Help me learn. Help me know and understand. Help me. Help me. I'm not happy with the way my life has gone. I want to give it to you today in the name of Jesus. Just ask him and let him fill you with this Holy Spirit's love right now and the truth will just pour out of you. Forgive me. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Have mercy. (laughs) Be merciful and you shall receive mercy. Just ask the Lord to take you away from this flesh and let you be one of his sons or daughters. And while we're praying, would you just look up at me and just raise your hand so I can see you. I'd like to remember praying for you on the way home today. I get two hours of fun time just to pray for you. Is there anybody this morning? Anybody? We're all perfect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the very last on the left. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I see on my right here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, your relationships, your family. Yes, sir. They're going to change for the better. Yes. I see you right there next to the man in the T-shirt. John, you have T-shirt too. You're beside yourself. Anybody else? Yes. Just take it. It's free. Just let it all go. Yes. In that doorway up there. Yes. Yes. The two of you and three of you right there in the side aisle. Yes. Right here. I saw your hand. Yes, sir. Oh, Lord. You so love these people. And Jesus said that when somebody comes to his father and repents, all the angels in heaven rejoice. And now we know that the angels in Orange County are rejoicing. And tomorrow's going to be a brand new day that your kingdom will expand to help the boys and girls and the people that can't help themselves. Bless these people. I'm so happy that the majority of them are men and they need to let all that garbage go, Lord, and be free. Please free them completely. Let them go. And bless these marriages and friendships and relationships that are under stress because of sin. Let your truth and love give real relationships and friendships. Let them be very successful at what you've gifted them with, that they could be a part of this end times, serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. That was cool. I'm proud of you men. I know it's got to be difficult. 
in this society and what's acceptable. But like they say, marijuana is legal. No, it's not. It's just slipping by temporarily till they get all the tax dollars they can. They're going to come down on the druggies with a heavy hammer. This world is fake news. And God is the God of truth and love. God bless you, and thank you for being here this morning. And gentlemen, if you come up, we pray. Okay?